Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this Congress, bad ideas don't die, they get marked up by the Senate Rules Committee. And this week, it was the turn of S-1, the Senate companion bill to H.R. 1, the Democrats' federal election takeover legislation. Joining us today to discuss the potential consequences of H.R. 1, S-1, should they pass, is J. Christian Adams, right-leaning elections lawyer extraordinaire. Hello, Christian, and welcome to the podcast. Before we begin, could you tell us a little bit about a little bit about your background and current work? Sure. Uh, Jay Christian Adams here, president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. Uh, all we do is election integrity. Uh, and I was a former Justice Department voting section lawyer. I practiced election law a very long time. President Trump appointed me to the Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity. I'm also a presidential appointee to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, so a whole bunch of stuff. Cool. Uh, so that brings us to this week in the Senate markup. What what happened in the Senate with this bill? Well, there was a, a fight, and we saw how important the bill was by virtue of who came to the hearing. Um, we know that it didn't actually pass out of committee. It right, because the, the committees, yeah, the committees are divided because the Senate is evenly divided. The committees are all divided evenly, so all the Republicans voted against it, and all the Democrats voted for it. Right, and it'll have to come out to the floor by the majority leader's rule, or they can take up HR one, which passed the House and is sitting in the Senate right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, just for, are there any substantive differences between the two? Oh, now you have stumped me. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, for example, I'm not aware of HR one with their mandatory felon reenfranchisement having a uh, exclusion for pedophiles like the Senate markup does. Um, but I can't be sure that okay. I, I, or that there's not more. So, they, so they're so they but they are they are functionally similar, although there may be small technical differences. Correct. Okay. So. Uh, a couple weeks ago, in episode 161, we had on Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall, and we discussed three of the problematic provisions of what was then H.R. 1. Uh, there was the proposal's ban on voter ID laws, limitations on removing ineligible ex-voters from voting rolls through regularly scheduled processes, and the expansion of mandatory donor disclosure for organizations involved in public policy. Um so, uh, Christian, what are some of the drawbacks? You know, I mean, we obviously discussed many of the drawbacks to those proposals, but uh, what are some of the big drawbacks to those to those proposals in your eyes? Well, I mean, look, uh, <clears throat> those are some of the bad provisions of the bill, of which there are many provisions that are far worse. But uh, the list maintenance ones will keep dead people on the rolls, uh, people who moved away. When you go to mail balloting, <laughs> then it becomes a real disaster. Uh, because those people who no longer exist are getting mail ballots, so right. Um, so then you have then you have live ballots out in the world that don't have a legitimate owner. <laughs> exactly, and you would also can call that Nevada 2020. I mean, that's exactly what happened in Nevada in 2020. <clears throat> was lots of live ballots were out there with a le- without a legitimate owner. Mm, and then, so so you mentioned that that there are worse provisions than those three. Uh, what are some of them? <laughs> well, the worst one is the what's going to be uh, a fallaway provision if HR one doesn't move. It's kind of like the game Asteroids. I don't know how many people played Asteroids uh, these days, but when you played Asteroids, a big giant asteroid like HR one would come at your ship 
and you blow it away, and suddenly there's like 50 little, really fast little asteroids. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen to HR1, and the worst provision of all is the John Lewis Act, which would reverse Shelby County versus Holder, which is a Supreme Court case that said the federal government did not have power to oversee elections. And when I was at the Justice Department, we used to approve or reject the tiniest little election change in 16 states. And when I say tiny, I mean like the school board election uh, changes from the school gymnasium to the school library. Uh, we would have to approve that in Washington, D.C. in a covered state. Now, you might think a covered state is all like Klan and Jim Crow and, you know, mint juleps, but it's not. It also included Michigan, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Arizona, California, and Alaska. Uh, and New York, I might add. The majority of the American population were in covered jurisdictions that required federal government approval of every election change. That's the one ring that unites them all on HR1. That's what they want more than anything. Mm-hmm. And, and and the 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 Lewis proposal would just restore it in those 16 states? Negative. It would restore it based on a new triggering formula. And it's a concocted trigger, triggering formula Uh, For example, it would almost certainly cover Ohio right away, uh, probably Pennsylvania. Um, And so it would it would go after states that are important to the left to have control over. And and that's why it would include places like Florida, probably Georgia, uh, uh, at this point, probably Michigan and Wisconsin. And so uh, what it'll do is give bureaucrats at the DOJ where I used to work mischievous powers behind closed doors over state elections. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, so one of the, I mean, I actually haven't heard much about, uh, about the, and this is, this is the preclearance that any, any change you have to make has to be signed off on in Washington, right? Correct. With the burden shifted onto the state to prove absolute absence of any discriminatory effect. Okay, so it says so it, it inverts the it inverts the burden of proof from you have, from the government has to show that the the government above the federal government having to show positive evidence that there was discriminatory intent to shift it on to the state effectively as the defense. That's it. That's it. And that and it, and sometimes it becomes impossible, and that's why the bill was set up that way is to make it impossible. Uh, and all sorts of mischief occurred when when Eric Holder had this power. Uh, in in before 2013, they rejected South Carolina voter ID. South Carolina had to go to court to prove that it wasn't discriminatory. South Carolina won, and South Carolina ended up spending millions of dollars in attorneys' fees, which they never got back, uh, to prove in court that they weren't discriminatory with voter ID. It is a power to conduct absolute mischief in the hands of the federal government. Mm-hmm. Um. So I actually haven't heard a lot about that about that provision, which is very interesting. Uh, the one the provision that I have heard a lot about is this notion that they want to give federal dollars to political campaigns. Yeah, that's the old public financing uh, canard where they just want to pay people to run for office. They want to give money. I mean, this has been a dream of the left. You know, going back to the '70s to have public financing of political campaigns. I mean, and they have it, and they have it in some cities like New York, Seattle, uh, some of the other big municipalities. Yeah, 
Well, they also used to have it for president, don't forget. I mean, you had the dollar checkbox oh, on your right. tax Yeah, form. you still see that. Yeah, no, but and before, before Obama decided that he could raise more money privately. Right, right. So this is, a, like I said, this is a post-Watergate reform that has been on the minds of Democrats for years. Uh, and now they just want to, uh, to, to, you know, make it apply to every race. Mm -hmm. And then, so, so obviously then you would say that like the most important provision to defeat is the, is the preclearance provision, right? Oh, that, that's the, that look, if the Democrats had, if, if you went to them and, if, as Republicans and said, we will give you one part of HR one, you get to choose Every single time they would choose the John Lewis part. Mm -hmm. That's what they want more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And then, so are there any other, I mean, again, we mentioned voter ID, we mentioned uh, role maintenance, we mentioned the expansion of mandatory donor disclosure that I know many commentators say is probably unconstitutional. Uh, you know, and then obviously uh, the, the preclearance John Lewis Act uh, you know, what, is there any other kind of major things that, that people need to be aware of? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, there, there's all sorts of compelled speech, uh, dis donor disclosure provisions that are very bad. But like I said, if, 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 if the Democrats were offered one part of HR one, it would be the preclearance provision. Mm -hmm. And then, so I guess, I don't know if, um, I mean, you mentioned the South Carolina voter ID, you know, other, other examples of previous justice departments doing nonsense with, with the preclearance that existed before Shelby County. Oh my gosh. I assume you know the answer to that or else you wouldn't have asked. Uh, um, there are examples of monetary awards after monetary awards after monetary awards and malfeasance and mischief inside the department that manifests in court opinions based on abuse of this power. Johnson v. Miller, Georgia redistricting. Uh, there's multiple examples of the Justice Department paying out hundreds of thousands of dollars in fee awards because of the manipulation and skullduggery associated with the preclearance powers. Uh, we'll be talking a lot more about that, but I've testified to Congress repeatedly about that, that that this power was abused and not just in the South Carolina voter ID preclearance. Preclearance is a history of abuse going back decades of Justice Department officials abusing this power uh, in the preclearance process and courts saying so. Mm -hmm. Not conservatives, not Christian Adams, not Hans von Spakovsky, but federal courts. Mm -hmm. and, 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 it's, and it's because it gives so much power because, you know, one of the one of the ways that that a, a Democrat, you know, a, a Democrat ostensible moderate might try to try to get buy-in on preclearance would be to say, okay, apply preclearance to everybody. You know, well, then it's unconstitutional. You can't because that's what the court said in Shelby: is there has to be a careful trigger to to apply to somebody. It has to uh, that state or that municipality has to have done something that justifies a modern contemporaneous exercise of federal power, not something they did when My Fair Lady won Best Picture, the temptations were on the charts. It has to be something immediately current or else the federal government doesn't have the power to exercise that power. I see. Um, 
So uh, before we break, do you have anything else you'd like to bring to the attention of our listeners? Any Anything mm-hmm. you're working on or uh, any other important <clears throat> policy ongoings? Well, what, pay, <laughs> pay close attention. Uh, we've been monitoring the Zuxbucks uh, payments in Florida, and I think you're going to see some action very shortly about what we found there. And ironically, a lot of the money that went into Zuxbucks in Florida was used, you aren't going to believe this, to pay for Facebook ads. So that money just had a funny way of circling back to the mothership. And uh, and we got that. that Right. That's that's some, that's a lovely, lovely game. You have your, you have your philanthropy, you give your money to your philanthropy and then your philanthropy buys from, buys from your for-profit company. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, uh, we'd like to thank once again, uh, Jay Christian Adams for joining us this week. Uh, that's our show. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week.